Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the What's in My Head podcast today. I've got Townsend, the voice of Mikey, the voice of the tick. He also played Waldo. And where's Waldo? Townsend, how the hell are you, sir? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great, man. How are you? Oh, fantastic. You know, when I started this podcast, I actually... Rob Paulson was the guy I really wanted to like made sure I had him on my list. And all of you guys that were in that turtle, uh, that turtle. Robbie, or- Robbie is at the top of everybody's list. Let it's, me tell you. And, and for good reason. It's, it's amazing. And I've said this a couple of times, but there's two things, at least for me, that bring me back to um, a simpler time, a time with no bills, time with no stress, time with, you know, just no, nothing crazy going on. And right. Right, those two things are a voice that you guys do or a smell or a food, right? So I see fried chicken, I instantly get transported back to my granny's kitchen, right? She would make right. that fried pork chops, all this different stuff. But you guys have something that is so damn unique. And it's it's what you can, what you guys do, what you guys say, what you guys inflect. Um, and, I, and I told Rob, you know, if it wouldn't have been for what you guys did on this turtle cartoon, I would not have anything related <laughs> to a turtle in my yeah. room yeah, yeah you wouldn't be broke now <laughs> after spending all your dough on on action figures well it really seems like i'm just working to to really supply my my my, my turtle habit however it's just i love being in a spot and i won't show you like we're redoing my office now you know we just put some new floors in um so it's a mess essentially this is the good side if you will of the room right um but uh i like going into a place and feeling like a kid again um, I like going into a place and feeling like, oh shit, man, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be around. You surround yourself with positive people. You surround yourself with with things that from your childhood that are just so fantastic. And you, like Rob, were such a huge part of my childhood, man. And uh, I got to say, yeah. it's it's fantastic to sit here and talk to you. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, it's an honor to talk to you as well, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. So when. I started reaching out to everybody. The best people to talk to that I found is voice actors. And I got to ask you, why the hell are you guys so fun to talk to? You guys are so easygoing. You're so open. And it's just a lot of people are guarded. But, you know, to an extent, it's you guys are so easy to work with and talk to. How is it possible? Why are voice actors so great and easy? Yeah, uh, Julian, I can't. I, that's, that's something I don't really have an answer for. But I will tell you this. Um, I've been acting, you know, pretty much most of my life. I was acting in high school and then in college and, uh, as a young adult back in Cleveland, Ohio. And, uh, I was on the radio there and, and my aspirations were always to be an actor, not a voice actor, but a, you know, non-camera actor, uh, and a stage actor. So I did a lot of stage, um, over the years. And when I moved out here, uh, back in 1984, uh, here being LA, uh, my, my goal was to try and get an agent and start getting into TV and movies is what I wanted to do. But because I had, because I was on the radio in Cleveland 
for 10 years and I, I that's where I discovered voice acting and uh, voiceovers. Um, and I got my first agent back there uh, after I'd been on the radio for about uh, three or four years. And uh, they started getting me local um, uh, voiceover work in Cleveland. And now I was the production director at the radio station at the time, uh, which meant that I had to voice most of the commercials at the radio station, but I didn't get paid any extra money to do it. That was just part of my job. And I was working six days a week. Um, you know, I was doing an air shift six days a week and then also doing staying after my air shift doing production. And so that's where I discovered voice acting. But but uh, but it was the freelance voiceover work that really, really stoked me because I was I was starting to make a pretty good living doing that in addition to uh, doing the radio thing. And so after uh, 10 years of being on the radio, I finally made a decision to quit radio and just concentrate on the voice voiceover stuff. Because uh, at that time, I was making more money a year doing my freelance voiceover work than I was working six days a week at the radio station. Didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I quit radio in 1984, uh, turned 30 at that time in May of 84. And then about a month later, got a, a call from our uh, our landlord saying that he was selling the house that we were living in and we had to move and and i thought doggone it you know here i've just quit radio i've just turned 30 i've got three kids and a wife and i've and now i've got to move and i've always wanted to go either to new york or la so i thought you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna launch out rather than you know having to pack up the house and move across town i'm gonna move across the country yeah. And so I, I uh, locked into L.A., came out here after the 84 Olympics, looked around, found a little place to rent uh, here in Glendale. And boom, two weeks later, literally two weeks later, I was living here and uh, managed to, to score an agent uh, within my first two weeks here. We got very, very lucky. I knew one person out here and uh, she got me an interview with uh, with uh, her agent and they signed me. And the guy uh, who signed me, um, I was showing him my picture and resume. Uh, it was a commercial agency and he was saying, yeah, we'll take you for on-camera commercials, but I see you've also done voiceover work. Do you have a tape of demo? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, why don't you leave that with me and I'll uh, give it to our voiceover agent when he gets back and uh, see what he thinks. And I said, great. So I left. By the time I got home, there was a message on my answering machine uh, remember this is 84 uh, <laughs> and uh, it was from the uh, voice agent a uh, guy named Jeff Danis who said uh, Townsend I just listened to your tape sorry I missed you but I please don't sign with anybody until you come back and talk to me yeah. and I was like wow okay so I went and met with him the next day and ended up signing with him across the board for VO and for um, on-camera commercial work and stuff and uh and six months later, uh, I, I got this audition and I started getting work. Now, at the same time, I was also looking for a, a theatrical agent for movies and TV. And that was harder to get. And I finally got one. And when they started sending me out on auditions, I know it's a long roundabout answer to your question, but well, I'm going to get love, there. I, I, prom I promise. So, so they started sending me out on auditions for uh, the on-camera theatrical stuff for, you know, bits and movies and TV. And... To be honest, I I didn't really dig that process. And part of the reason was because I didn't dig the people that I ran into, the other actors that I ran into at these auditions. They just seemed 
like really aloof and and kind of stuck up and pretentious for and, sure. You pretend, yeah, in, in their own heads and and it all seemed like this cat and mouse game, mm-hmm. and and it just gave me a bad vibe. And then when I actually did get some, you know, small bit parts, uh, you know, TV uh, episodic and and uh, and a movie here and there, I didn't really like the work. I, it was <laughs> it was it was. I mean, I hate to say that, but it was it was boring. It was tedious. You know, there was nothing invigorating about it. Yeah. Um, and and I thought wow, this is so not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Conversely, at the same time, I was starting to book a lot of voiceover work, which which was not what I was trying to do, but I was doing the auditions anyway. And booking, six months after I moved here, I got this audition for a cartoon series called Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about doing cartoons up to that point. And, and I thought, oh, this would be kind of interesting, you know. And so I went on this audition and it was a blast. And I loved the gal I auditioned for. I loved the whole process. I loved, you know, I'd just never done it before, but it just kind of fell in my lap and it felt really natural to me. Mm -hmm. And I booked that little part. Uh, I was on the uh, last 10 episodes of the series uh, as a character named Corporal Corporal Cape Man. And, um, And that's what got me into animation. And I told my agent, I said, please send me out on more of this kind of stuff because this is a riot. Now, during all of that, when I would get jobs or go to a casting places for voice casting uh, and meet other voice actors, I immediately discovered that there was a whole different vibe about them uh, than the, than the on-camera face actors that I was running into trying to do the theatrical stuff. And I thought, I was asking myself the same question you just asked me. Why are these guys, not just guys, but, you know, why are these people so friendly and so down to earth and they don't seem to be so competitive and they seem to be, um, like, really generous with their their time and their advice and, and all this stuff. And some of the older guys that I would run into, some of whom were my idols back yeah. when I was on the radio and really into listening to voices, um, I thought, man, I really dig this end of this business way more than I liked or or enjoyed the on-camera theatrical stuff. And and over the years, I have just found that voice actors, for I don't know why, but for whatever reason, just they're the most down-to-earth, um, real. Uh, funny, but wickedly creative and, 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 um, quick and, uh, uh amazing, just amazingly talented. Yeah, um, yeah. but they're, but they're just real people and they're approachable and, and they're funny and they're friendly and they're, they were becoming friends of mine, you know, and it, there was none of this or, or very little, uh, if at all, um, this doggy dog, you know, climbing over each other, clawing each other, just trying to get to the top out of my way. You know, it was, it just didn't seem to be any of that stuff. So, I mean, I, I know it's a real long roundabout way of saying, I don't know, but I have definitely discovered over the years, uh, exactly what you're saying. And, uh, it's, it's, it's been a cool thing. It's been a cool, um, uh, um, community to be a part of a family to be a part of for sure for so long well i love 
stories like this. And I love when you guys just expound upon something as simple as like, why are you guys, because it's a weird question to ask somebody. It's like, why are you such a fucking cool guy, man? Why is it what <laughs> you do is so Oh, cool? well, let me tell you, I'll tell you why. Okay, do you have a couple of hours? <laughs> it would go as long as you want to at this point. But like I said, I, I don't know what it is about this community, but I'm so glad you guys exist because like I said, for me, you know, in, in a sense, I'm gonna break this down. Like when I, when I think of radio, I used to think of just music, right? I hated, 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 hated when I would meet with my grandpa and we'd listen to talk radio or we'd listen to just people drone on, right? And then I hated when my 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 people and hates a strong word. It's just like just extremely disliked it, I guess. I'm trying to take okay. hate out of my vocabulary, right? Right. Well, I just disliked just hearing people talk. And now I can't think of anything more because that's all I listen to. I listen to podcasts nonstop. Very rarely will I listen to a radio for music or will I listen to the radio for anything other than just people having discussions, people having conversations, because it's it's weird. I don't know if it's just something I'm wishing for, you know, days of old or something like that, or, you know, it's something right. along those lines. But it's just it, it's interesting what people can do when they just sit here and talk, listen and all this other stuff. And one thing I wanted to bring up as I hit this mic that, that yeah, when you tell me the story was what was your wife thinking? What was Miss Coleman saying? Like, uh, you know what? We're just going to move to L.A. That's what we're going to do now. From Ohio to L.A., where that's where we're going to go. What was she thinking? Well, I'll tell you, unfortunately, she's no longer my wife, but uh, but we were married 26 years, have four incredible kids, and I got six grandkids. Um, but back then in those days, in our early married days, she, you know, she was really cool about it. And I remember when I came back from L.A. after this trip, um, trying to find a place, uh, I ran it all by her and I, I think she was ready to get out of Cleveland too, because she, she grew up there. I mean, her whole family was there. She was born there. Um, I had moved to Cleveland when I was seven from Denver. So, so, and I, you know, pretty much grown up there as well, but I was definitely ready to get, get out of Cleveland, nothing against Cleveland, but I, I had ambitions and I had aspirations yeah. and I had, I had, I had dreams, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I had in those days, I had pretty well, this is going to sound bad, but I had pretty well soaked Cleveland for all I could within the entertainment industry. I mean, I was doing TV, I was doing radio, I was modeling, if you can believe it, you know, underwear for May Company. I was, I was pulling the Ohio lottery numbers on TV every night for a year. I was doing local theater. I mean, I was doing everything that I could think to do in in cleveland but i wanted to expand that and i wanted to i wanted to go i just wanted to do more and so it was either going to be new york or la so when i chose la and i came back and i i told mary alice about this i i said hey here's here's what i'm thinking and you know honestly uh, we prayed about it and we talked at length about it and she said yeah you know what i'm ready to go too let's do this this will be a fun adventure and uh and so, uh, yeah, we had three young kids at the time. And, and I'm telling you, dude, from the time I got back and we were talking about this to the time the moving van pulled up was, and, and it was less than two weeks Holy shit. and a buddy of mine, Jimmy Brickman, uh, and I drove my car out while Mary Allison and our three kids, uh, went and stayed with her mom for uh, about five or six days. And then they flew out to Burbank airport uh, about a day or two after Jimmy and I had uh, uh, arrived here over Labor Day weekend and met the moving van. 
and it all just like happened. It just fell into place. So she was really cool about it. And I got to give her credit, man, because I don't know a, a, a lot of women who, who would, you know, just say okay to a, to a whacked out idea like that and have it happen so fast. You know, it just, it really just fell in her laps. I mean, in hindsight, it, it really just feels like, man, shit just lined up really. When it's too good to be true, most of the time, right. it's really just too good to be true. And I completely right. get what you're saying about, you know, just you can only do so much. I mean, Ohio is Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, that's where my mom's people are from. Um, most of them live in West Virginia now, the ones that are still, uh, you know, around and everything. Um, but there's not much to do. And when you've got aspirations, you got dreams, you know, you're not going to sit here. You can only do so much being the big fish in a little tank, right? You're going to yeah. have to learn to swim with those bigger fish, man. And at, at the end of the day, it probably made you not only a better person, but a better dad, but also no it question. You better at what you do. Cause iron sharpens iron, man. You can't be around. <laughs> like I, I use it for basketball. Like Michael Jordan's not going to sit here and play, you know, I mean, he might, who knows? I don't know Michael Jordan, but he's not going to continually grow and develop and evolve playing you know the same guys he's playing and pick up games at high school he's going to be better when he goes to college he's going to be better when he goes to pros because he's playing people like larry bird magic johnson akeem olajuwon all these different people you know like i yeah. said it's a part of your growth and it's a part of your your evolution as you as a person and you as a voice actor well i you know honestly i i think that anybody who has who has dreams and you know i, I sort of tread on this lightly because it's it's it sounds pretty cliche yeah. but if you allow whatever whatever forces uh, are working against you to keep you um, muzzled or yeah. to keep you down, uh, to keep you, uh, uh, I don't want to say trapped, but you know that feeling where you just feel like, well, I'm not allowed to go or I'm not allowed yeah. to do what I want to do or I'm not allowed to pursue you know, the dreams that I've got. Um, if you allow those forces um, to work in your head to the extent that it actually keeps you chained. You know, it's like that old a a story about, you know, you take an elephant and you keep them chained to a, you know, a, a post in the ground, but you could take that chain off, you know, and put a string around them and something that they could easily break, but something in their minds has trained them now to think that, oh no, I'm still tied to this post. I can't go anywhere. Well, if you allow that to happen, you will, if if nothing changes nothing changes yeah you know so you, something's got to change and if you don't sort of take the bull by the horns and go and at least try because i'll tell you it's like i was saying i had just turned 30 i'd quit my radio career and i thought i'm at a turning point in my life and now i actually have to move and i'll be honest with you if I hadn't gotten that call from my landlord saying he was selling the house as badly as I wanted to go to New York or LA, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have because I was doing really well in Cleveland. I was going to branch out in uh, other markets in the Midwest, you know, Chicago and uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh, and, you know, just to try and do more voiceover work, what I was already doing and very happy with. And I was also hosting a dance show, if you can believe it, <laughs> at the time in Atlanta. Uh, it was a show called The Dance Show, and I was co-hosting it um with a guy uh, named cal dupree down in atlanta we were i was flying down there every other weekend to tape two shows and this show was syndicated nationally so i had a, a nationally syndicated tv show on the air at the time and and i thought things are going really well for me 
you, you know, if it weren't for this nudge, you know, actually a big kick in the butt, you yeah. know, from my landlord saying, you got to get out and I hate moving. I probably, I probably wouldn't have moved. I probably would have just stayed there and continued to do just more of what I was already doing and, and, and been pretty happy with it. Yeah. But, you know, it, it doesn't appear that that's what God wanted for my life because I did have to move. And when that happened, I made the choice. Okay. Uh, I'm not moving across town. I, if I have to move, I'm, I'm making the big move right now because I don't want to be 66. Hello. Uh, and looking back and regretting it going, boy, here I am still, you know, still in Cleveland, but I wanted to be someplace else, yeah. you know? And again, nothing about Cleveland. Cleveland's a great town. Um, but I just knew that I had more in me. And, uh, and, and so that was really the impetus uh, to get me up and out. And uh, just really thankful that it did and super grateful that it's worked out the way it has. I mean, first things up for 66, you look fucking fantastic, man. You look <laughs> like, you know, 50, no more than 50. And that that's saying well, something because 50, when I was growing up, 50 old man rough as shit right now now right, right. you got people living to 80 and 90 they're out here running marathons and ultra marathons right. and crazy stuff yeah. and and that's and that's i want i want to be that guy yeah you know and i'll tell you honestly dude i i made a choice last year uh to start getting serious about taking care of myself you know i, I quit eating sugar really cleaned up my diet um you know, starting to work out, got a Peloton machine, you know, uh, doing some weight work. So I, I've been really, really in, uh, intentional about that in the last year. Um, because when I hit 70, uh, God willing, if I hit 80, 90, whatever, um, I want to still be as just as youthful and vibrant and, 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 and just living, just living life and enjoying it and being thankful for every single moment of every single day. And I just want to, I want to keep doing it. Yeah. So, so yeah, thanks. Thank you for saying that. That's a, a huge compliment, but you know, the, the real reason is, you know, is because I'm, I'm working at it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so, a good thing. Cause it's a lot of, a lot of things people could really just go out and do just, just watch and listen to your body, man. And one thing right. I really wanted to hit on because obviously you've worked with Rob as well as so many other fantastic um, you know, voice actors, actors, musicians, you know, insert person here, you've worked with them, right? And right. I, I didn't get a chance to ask Rob because it was just, I felt like a child, right? And that was one of my <laughs> early episodes. So I, and, and I didn't do it via Zoom. Um, I did a phone call, um, which I'm glad, but I'm not glad I did. But down the road, I'll get him back on here on Zoom. Um, but I had, so was it was it a, a video phone call or was it a oh no it was uh, just a it was just, just a phone call you know okay out through his right. agent um yeah. and I'm glad because I had tears in my eyes probably for a good hour hour and ten minutes because he is just so natural like most of you guys just switching into character all it takes is a thought and he's back in a voice and like I said earlier in this podcast there's nothing quicker to transport you back to a time in in in, in life or a time in your life um like that than a voice or a smell or something that reminisces from old right and when I got done talking with him I didn't know he had a book out and I read it and he 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 said how great of a person you were and how great the connection was between a lot of you guys that he worked with. Um, and as you've said, getting older and doing what you do, obviously 
your voice changes, your body changes and everything like that. Sure. Is there, obviously you can sit here and do curls for the girls, right? You can do squats to get a nice ass and big legs, <laughs> but is there, is there exercises that you do, you know, for your voice to, to make you sound? No. So. No, not me. I I'm, I'm terrible with my voice. Uh, and in fact, I'm kind of losing my voice right now. So I know it sounds kind of raspy today, but uh, no, I'm, 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 you know, I used to take singing classes, you know, years ago. And I remember the singing teachers that I had, you know, they'd always give you these exercises and, and, and do's and don'ts. And they'd say, don't clear your throat, you know, don't scream, don't whisper, don't do these things. And I'm like, seriously, it's, I, that's, I do that stuff all day long and there's no way I'm going to be stopping it. So there are things that I need to do to kind of, kind of clear my voice out and I don't think I could do it now, but I, one of the things that I do is I sort of hum and I go, I try and go as high as I can, mm -hmm. because if I can go high, then I can go, I can generally go low, which mm -hmm. is sort of a weird concept. But, but if I can, you know, if I, <clears throat> and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it today, but <clears throat> if I can, oh, wow. <clears throat> Uh, you know, it's like when I used to do the seven up spot, I don't know if you remember cool spot, yeah. but, um, yeah. So that was, you know, sort of a, <laughs> you know, so if I can do that kind of stuff, that, that kind of keeps my, my voice kind of, uh, Kind of lubed, I guess, or, yeah. or loose. Now, when, when you're so obviously as we get older, like I start to see things that I couldn't do, um, you know, a few years ago, uh, 10, 15 years ago, the same stuff I just couldn't keep up with. Like I used to be a very, very just prominent basketball player. And it's not like I was great or anything like that. And you know, I was pretty decent. Um, but I, it was my favorite sport. It's the thing that I loved probably the most next to all of this shit behind me from pop culture to comic books, to music, to movies, to TV right. and cartoons. Yeah. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've noticed that I can't do the things that I used to be able to do when I was 15 and 16 that I do yeah. now, or I hurt yeah. more than I did at 15 and 16 by playing basketball <laughs> all day. Right. 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 Um, so what it like for me, it was, it was, just as like, damn, man, I'm getting old. I can't do this anymore. This sucks. But then I started to think like, well, I can just play more like this. I can do more stuff like this. I'm not going to be as explosive as I was, but I'm going to still be able to play, still do something. And your game kind of evolves, no pun intended. Um, what are some of the things that you've had to like experience or trying to change or mix and mash to make it kind of feel like oh, I can still do it at the level I used to do it? Boy, great question. And are you talking about voice work or are you talking about just anything? Yeah, yeah, just just voice work, I guess. Okay, okay yeah. well, with voice work, um, I'll tell you, I've definitely, my, my voice has changed. Uh, you know, it's it's gotten a little lower, a little deeper um, than it was when I when I moved here. Um, but, and I'm also, like I said, fighting something yeah. uh, for the last couple of days, so it's a little raspy, but, but um I'll tell you, I because I still audition all the time. The business itself has changed radically in the last 15, 20 years, uh, even the last five years. You know, technology's changed it. Uh, styles, of course, change. Um, so it's changed a ton since I, I came here. 
used to be that to get any significant uh, voiceover work, you had to be in one of the three major markets. You had to be in L.A., New York, or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the voiceover community, you know, 40 years ago, 35 years ago, was relatively small. Now it's worldwide yeah. because everybody's got a microphone. Everybody's got a laptop. You know, everybody's got a way of being able to connect with an, an agent uh, or one of these uh, voiceover websites where you can pay to audition and, you know, hopefully get a gig and stuff. And there's some people making a lot of money doing that. Um, so the, the, the business itself has changed a lot. In the meantime, I've been really super fortunate um, to just continue working. I mean, I don't think that there's been a day that I haven't worked in uh, virtually since I moved here uh, in voiceover. You know, I've been, and and one of the things, one of the areas of voiceover that I discovered, so early on, my concentration was kind of on voiceover commercials, you know, getting, trying to get a, a car account or a, a retail account or something like that, because uh, those paid really well. Um, and then I fell into cartoons, uh, you know, in March of uh, 85. And so that became another leg of my career. But then in August of 93, I, I got this sort of fluke audition to go over to NBC and audition for a campaign that they were doing called Must See TV. And they liked what I did enough to put it on the air that night. And then they called me back the next day and the next day and the next, I mean, this went on for, you know, a couple of weeks. And I thought, wow, this is kind of turning into a gig, you know, which was weird to me because my parents met while they both worked at NBC in New York. And my dad's goal at NBC was to become an announcer for the network. So this was like really surreal to me that here I was hearing my voice on the network for a couple of weeks. And then it turned into a couple of weeks more and then a couple of months. And then uh, three or four months later uh, in in October of uh, 93, they asked me uh, to do the uh, Tonight Show promos for Jay Leno. And so I started doing that. And then it's like one thing led to another and I became the comedy voice of NBC for 16 years. You know, now that's something I didn't see coming. And so then I had this commercial leg of my VO career. I had the cartoon, the animation uh, leg, and then I had this promo leg. And the promo leg was just just a crazy gig that I could never have imagined because it was constant. It was daily. It was, I was always going into NBC, you know, getting home, getting a call saying, you got to come right back. We need another tag on this spot, you know, whatever. And that went on for 16 years. And I so loved it. And those people that I got to work with were just the the loveliest people and most genuine and creative and fun to be with. And it be, they became family to me. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was huge for me. What I discovered about promos is, A, that that was pretty competitive. And so it was difficult to go on vacations and stuff because you were afraid that when you came back, you weren't going to have your gig anymore and somebody else was going to have it, you know, which happens all the time. I've been replaced on gigs a lot, you know, more than I'd like to remember. <laughs> but but when they when NBC let me go in 2009, they were really cool about it. And they threw me a going away party, which was really unusual 
Uh, I still stay in touch with many of those folks that became family for me down there. Um, however, what that did was that really sort of turned my career. I did a real sort of, you know, hard left into, into promos. Mm -hmm. uh, the commercials kind of faded away. The, the, the uh, animation, the cartoons basically kind of faded away and promos became my career. They still are. After NBC let me go in in uh, 2009, um, I got in over at ABC thanks to my agent um, and was at ABC doing the same sort of thing, doing their co comedy stuff for five and a half years. Then they let me go. Then they ended up over at Fox for a year or two. Uh, and then they don't use me anymore. But I've been doing this long running uh, gig back when it was live with Regis and Kelly. I've been doing their promos and then Regis retired and it was live with just Kelly and then live with Kelly and Michael Strahan. Uh, and then ABC moved him over to Good Morning America. And then it was just live with Kelly again. And then now it's live with Kelly and Ryan, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. And I'm still doing the promos for those. And so that's my daily gig. And, and, and dude, I can't tell you, how lucky I feel to still, to still be viable, mm -hmm. to still be working daily uh, in this business after all these years. Now, I know that that gig, like every gig, is going to come to an end at some point, and that's going to be a sad day for me. Yeah. But, but I've got to, I, I really work on, on stepping back, seeing the big picture, looking back and going, look, look at what I have been blessed with. Mm -hmm. And, and nobody can take that away from me. And I want to hang on to all the memories that I can and all the experiences that I've had and all the lovely people that I've gotten to work with and friends that I've made over the years doing it, you know? So, but again, that's sort of a long roundabout way of coming back to say that right now, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm at the top of my game. I feel, you know, cause when I, I'm not raspy like this, you know, I'm, I'm still, Whoa, dude, are you kidding? This is like a totally bodacious gig. There's nothing better than this. I mean, I'll walk around the house all day saying, whoa, dudes. You know, I mean, I, I, I can all still hit all those same notes and I've still got the energy. And, but what I have now that I didn't have 30 years ago was I've got just a lot more life experience. Perspective, yeah. A perspective and 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 so i feel like i've still got the talent i've still got the the sense of humor maybe more so um probably looser than i used to be and um uh, certainly i think happier and more centered um so so all that to say i feel like i'm at the top of my game right now and it's just a crapshoot like i said the business has changed a lot i audition a lot do i book a lot nope not like i used to you know book very rarely but at least i've got this daily gig you know now i don't know if it's a matter of you know I, I don't know what it would take to have to try and book more but but to be honest i'm not i'm not really worried about that and that's not something i'm really even trying to do at this point because i'm just plain i'm i'm content yeah and that's huge for me uh, it's a place i've never really been in and and i'm thankful to be there at a place where i can say yeah you know what i'm happy <laughs> I, I just I feel real good and if it all comes to an end tomorrow you know the the next guy's gonna step in and god bless him you know uh 
I love this business. I've loved what I've been able to experience and, and what it's given me. Um, but nobody can take that away from me. And I, I'm just thankful for that. Well, that's such a great perspective to have. And boys and girls listening, uh, men and women, I don't want to call everybody boys and girls. Uh, it's a fantastic way to really sit here and just look about, look, look at your life, not so much your life, but all the lives you've touched, man. And <laughs> it, it's such an eloquent way to really look at it. And if people really stopped just for a second and thought about everything and everybody's at one point in time at their life, you know, shit, man, I just really hate being here. Shit, man, I really hate listening to talk radio. I really hate all the, I just want to watch car. You know, if you really just sit here and take a second, take a breath, man, I'm thankful for all of this shit, right? It's not so much, it's not a hundred percent talent, right? It's a hundred percent luck. And give me one second. My dogs are going crazy real quick. So dude, we don't need you back. You can go deal with your dogs. <laughs> We're having a little conversation. Just, just me and the pals out here. <laughs> well, thank you. No, it's uh. I've got four dogs, one cat, working on getting a tortoise next. Uh, my wife said I can, I can get. A you mean a turtle? Uh, see, I had four. So, this is a, this is a dark <laughs> story. <laughs> I used to have four turtles. Um, oh, obviously, I don't like, four. I don't like where this is going already. <laughs> I didn't like where it was going either. So I was ten or eleven years old, and we went up to uh, uh, West Virginia to see my grandma and my grandpa for Christmas. So obviously being from Florida, I'd never seen snow before and I got super sick. I had like a real nasty ear infection. So I could see the snow. I just wasn't, I was not allowed to go outside and play in the snow because of fever and sickness and all this other crazy stuff. Um, so my older sister stayed behind and um, watched the house for us, took care of the dogs we had, uh, the animals we had. And she went to go take care of my turtle tank because she needed, it gets cleaned once a week. So it doesn't smell up the house. Um, and she put hot water, too hot of water, um, into, into the turtle uh, tank. Turtle Maybe, soup. Yeah. Essentially turtle soup. All of them died except one. Michelangelo. <laughs> Mine. Uh, I named him Raphael because he was Raphael's is the guy I just associated with the most. I, mean, I don't know <laughs> okay. what it is. I think it, so. Raph was your Raph was your favorite turtle. Raph, yeah, Raph is Raph for sure is my favorite turtle. It's just that's like, excellent. I associate so much with them. Like he, out of all the characters, and you know, it's it's not a it's not a knock against any of the turtles. It's sure. just I think he had the most growth he had he was i'm gonna steal a line from shrek if you've ever seen shrek where he's walking with donkey and he's they're trying to figure out what ogres are and he's like ogres are like onions he's like they smell he's like no they have layers and he breaks open an onion and he shows layers he was just a a character that had so many layers to him so much depth to him um he wasn't just the angry turtle he wasn't just the rude turtle he wasn't just this that or the other it was he had so many layers to him um so I renamed him Raphael. I don't know if it was Raphael that survived or not. It might have been Michelangelo that survived. Um, but I think it was because that's what I heard. But <laughs> that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so needless to say, when four became one um, and then he he lived for I had to actually give him away. There was uh, right down the street from us. There's uh, like a turtle sanctuary or a turtle like uh, farm. This lady just all these turtles. These people just can't turtle. keep them because they get too big. They bring them to a yeah, turtle turtle them. rescue. Yeah, so they got a huge yeah. lake. Um, and like like I said, he got about this big. And he was just a normal red-eared slider little turtle. He got huge. Um, and he just kept getting out of my turtle tank 
Um, and then I'd find them because the cat was hitting at him underneath the, the sofa one time. And my mom had gotten tired of it. She's like, all right, turtle's got to go. He keeps getting out. The cat's going to eat him. Something's going to happen to him. You know, so I had to end up getting rid of him. Um, but yeah, so I figured a tortoise, man, it, 50 to 100 years, probably going to outlive me. However, <laughs> I won't lose him, you know, because if he gets too big for the house, I'll just put him outside, make a little pin for him like I did, you know, back in the day with the tortoise. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know really how we got onto the turtle talk or the, the tortoise talk, but none, none, oh, the dogs, that's what it was. Um, right, yeah, right. Son was coming home from school. So uh, anytime, anytime the dogs see him, they just go ape shit. And they're like, oh man, somebody new to play with now. So, um, but yeah, as we segue into turtles, so I guess it's the greatest segue, really. Man, you were fucking Michelangelo on the Ninja Turtles, man. What you guys did is the reason for all of this turtle stuff. What Kevin and Peter did in 1984, they created this little itty-bitty comic that nobody ever read, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It went from selling out to selling billions of dollars worth of merchandise in the last, right. what was it been, 36 years since this 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 thing has been around? Um right we've talked about how you really got into doing what you do, but I want to know, man, what was that call? Did you just get a call from the agent? They're like, Hey, come try out for this. Did you try out for the other turtles or was it just Mikey that you tried out for? No, I tried out for, I auditioned for all four of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think most of us did, except maybe Barry just was called in for Donatello, but yeah, I read for all four. Now, which uh, struck was Mikey that struck you right off the bat? You're like, oh, I got something here. Did you have a like a did you have a lean towards a different one? Um, yeah, no, I, I think I sort of uh, felt I was geared more toward Michelangelo. And 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 at the audition, the way it works is, you know, they give you a, a, a sheet of paper that's got a picture, a drawing of the character and then a description of what the character is uh, and maybe his personality. And, and then some references, possibly, of what they think he might sound like. And then some sample lines, okay? So, I, in fact, I, so I should have brought it in. I, I still have my original sheet that they gave us at that audition that's got the picture of all four turtles on it. Mm -hmm. and, and, then and then the next page is their sample lines um, that we actually had to read for the audition. And... Uh, and I remember as, I don't remember the other characters. I, I, I should go look at it. But, but uh, for Michelangelo, they specifically were looking for a surfer dude. Mm -hmm. And they gave a Sean Penn as, as a prototype, a reference um, from Fast Times of Ridgemont High. That sort of burnt out, you know, uh, surfer dude kind of character. And, and so that's what I did at the audition. And, and I remember when I, when I got the call from my agent that I had booked this job, um, it was, I, I wasn't super excited about it. Uh, it would, to me, it was just, it was just another job because at that point I was already doing a number of different series. In fact, Robbie and I were both working on a show called Fraggle Rock at the time. And in fact, that's Gobo right there, the character that I did on Fraggle Rock and and of course, Fraggle Rock's, you know, with the original Fraggle Rock was a, a, a Muppet version, a live action Muppet version. But NBC in 1986 was doing a, an animated version of it. And it was the first time I'd ever auditioned for uh, something where I had to do a voice match because apparently the original Muppeteers uh, didn't want to do the voices for this animated version um, for whatever reason. And, um, and so they were casting all those characters, but we needed to sound like the original guys 
who were doing the Muppet version of it. And so Jerry Nelson, the guy who did uh, Gobo and scads of other characters, um, I would just listen to that of this back, back when I had, you know, a Sony, a little Sony Walkman and some earbuds. And I would listen to, uh, you know, I just recorded it right off the TV and I would listen to this on like a loop, like over and over and over just to try and bang this voice into my head. Mm -hmm. And I, and I booked that character. Um, and, uh, and then, Ro and Robbie was on, he was uh, boober. I was gobo. Uh, uh, and, uh, and so we were working together on this show and the voice director on the show, Stu Rosen came into one of our uh, Fraggle Rock recording sessions one day and uh, said, Hey, you guys aren't going to believe what I'm going to be casting and directing next. And he opens up his briefcase and pulls out an issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, I had never heard of it before. And I looked at it and I mean, really, honestly, I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, that's a little too weird because, you know, this was back in the days of, uh, you know, Glow Friends and Strawberry Shortcake and, you know, those kinds of cartoons. So something, I'm sorry? Like Smurfs, Scooby-Doo, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Right. And so that, those, you know, and I grew up on Hanna-Barbera cartoons. So, so this was clearly going down a different path and, and I, I guess I just didn't have the vision to be able to see down the road and see it becoming super popular. It just seemed like it was maybe a little too offbeat for me. Um, but I wasn't going to turn down the audition. So I did audition for it. Um, and, and I booked and I, one of my agent called and said I, I booked uh, the show. Uh, I thought, wow, this is fantastic. And um, but again, you know, it wasn't like over the moon about it, like this was going to change my life. None of us had any idea whatsoever what uh, Ninja Turtles was going to turn into. Yeah. Um, and and so, in fact, I'll tell you, when we showed up at the first recording session, they hadn't they knew that Barry was going to be and I've told this story a million times, but they knew that Barry was going to be Donatello. They knew that Rob was going to be Raphael, but they hadn't yet decided whether Cam was going to be Leonardo or Michelangelo, and same for me. And so they were just going to have us both try both characters uh, at that first recording session, and, and then they were going to make their decision uh, about who was going to do which. And, and so when we sat down at our mics and we're getting ready to do our first read-through, uh, Stu, and it felt like it was a totally random, you know, sort of just toss of the coin thing said, Townie, um, why don't you do, you do Michelangelo first, Cam, you do Leonardo first. And then on the next pass, we'll switch them. Yeah. And, uh, we said, fine, great. So, so it was, you know, we were sort of, it was sort of a duel and, uh, <laughs> and, and so I, you know, took my whack at doing Michelangelo on that first pass. And uh, then we, when we got to the end of that episode, uh, that first uh, 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 recording pass, um, the, the Stu and and the producers and the writers and stuff were in the control room, and they seemed very much more uh, intent on solving some other problems that switching me and Cam didn't seem to be a priority. Mm -hmm. And so we we started to go right into a second take, and I said to Stu, I said, "Do you do you want me and Cam to switch?" and try it the other way. And he said, he seemed very distracted. He said, no, 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 just keep, keep it the way it is. Uh, it's fine. We'll think about it later. I'm like, all right. So we did 
the next pass, and I don't remember whether we did a third pass or not, but so that day, I was Michelangelo and Cam was Leonardo. And then when we came back in for our second episode, uh, to record the second episode, they just left it that way. They Cam never did get a chance to try Michelangelo, and I never did get a chance to try Leonardo. <laughs> you know, so it was. It seemed like it was just the luck of the draw how I ended up with Mikey and and, and Cam with Leo. So, what would a Townsend Leonardo sound like? Do you remember what voice you probably picked out for him? And I'm sure it was just a real straight ahead, you know, kind of eager, you know, let's go guys. We're going to, we're going to get that evil shredder. Yeah. You know, it probably would have sounded very similar to Cammy. And, and I imagine his Michelangelo would, would have sounded probably a bit similar to my Michelangelo. Um, Cause we were sort of similar types back then. And, and I think in a way still are. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it would have been just a, a kind of a, just sort of an eager, you know, he was a leader and he was a straight ahead guy, but he was, you know, he was young, he was a teenager. And so he was, you know, come on guys, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go battle that evil shredder and make him eat <laughs> ninja dirt. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. I'm just glad it turned out the way it did. I, I am too, man. And you brought up a name, I think, Throughout movies and TVs, uh, TV shows, excuse me, as I butcher the English language here, there's two bad guys that really stick out is having, I mean, you could just take these characters and put them like very, very few times can you take a villain and put him in a movie or cartoon TV role and just let him go, right? You know, when I start to think of it, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but Darth Vader is one of those guys that you could just build an entire universe, which they really did. He was he was the, the bad guy. Everybody was trying to beat this guy. And another guy you could do that with is Shredder. Shredder. I knew uh, you were going to say that. You're right. Of course. And <laughs> you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's Shredder is my favorite villain of ever. I mean, it, it's just a fantastic character. Um, and he's cool as hell look, and he's got all these metal blades on him. He just looked cool. Nobody made purple look as good as Shredder made purple look, is what I'm really <laughs> Nothing against Harry and Donatello, but, but there was nothing cooler than Shredder, right? And one thing I wish I would have asked Rob and Pat when they were on was a story about <clears throat> late great James. Do you have any story? Renee gave me a beautiful story. Um, she would say he was just this this big bear of a man. He'd come in and he wouldn't wear shoes. Um, he was very just kick him off type of thing, walk around without any shoes on. Um, he would always give everybody just these big bear-like hugs because he was just a giant man. Um, is something, a character I wish that was still around like most people or, or an actor that was still around or a person that was still around. I learned so much from Uncle Phil is what I knew him at. For the longest time, I didn't know he was Shredder. I right. knew it was Uncle Phil, right? In the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But what is your favorite story? What is the story that you think fondly of when you think of, you know, Uncle Phil, James, Shredder? What do you want to call him? What do you think of? Well, when I think of James, I, I do think of him as just an enormous teddy bear with the best laugh on the planet. And he, he was a, a, just a terrific actor, but so down to earth again. Uh, you know, now here was one of these guys who who was an on-screen actor and super successful, um, but was as approachable and friendly as you could possibly hope for. Yeah. And, um, you know, James was always hilarious because he, he he never wore shoes. He always wore sandals. Mm -hmm. And 
and and he always took him off at the sessions. He hated being, he hated having anything on his feet. And he had just feet the size of canoes. And he's, <laughs> he's, he's big, he's big like stumps. And, and just as I just picture him, see, you know, be in his chair, you know, at his mic at the sessions with his shoes off and just sort of sitting back and just that great robust voice of his, you know, was just so great. And, and, and the laugh was so great. And he had so many terrific stories, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. This is what I, I was going to say, like claim to fame, not, but, but it's, it's one of the things that I, I, I really think fondly of when I think back on James, when he got, when we started doing Ninja Turtles, he, he wasn't on Fresh Prince. The, the show didn't exist. Yeah. And James used to drive around an old beat up Mercedes and, <laughs> and didn't like driving. And I remember one day he asked me, he said, look, he said, Hey, Townie, I, I need a ride. I've got an audition. Uh, it's a, it's an audition for a show that, um, that I've got to go do. And I'm, I need a ride. And would there be any chance that you give me a ride down to, I forget what Paramount or wherever it was that he was going to. And I said, um, I said, yeah, no problem, dude. So, so I drove him down there for his audition and, uh, don't know how he got back or got home. I was just dropping him off, but that audition was for the fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> and, and we found out, I don't know whether it was weeks later, uh, or a month or two later, or whatever it was that he had gotten this show and he was jubilant, you know, and again, this just booming voice. And he was telling us all about, you know, what the show was going to be and who was in it and Will Smith is in it. And, and, uh, and I thought, holy cow, good for you, man, you deserve it, you know? And, uh, and of course then Fresh Prince went on to be what it was and James went on to become who he was. And uh, unfortunately, we we sort of lost him uh, to the show uh, earlier than we would have liked because you know many times he couldn't make sessions be because he had conflicts with Fresh Prince. Um, but of course, we all understood and we're just thrilled for him, you know. And and then of course we lost him for good, and that was just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, it wasn't long before he passed away that. Uh, Kevin Eastman had all of us over to his house um, uh, up in the hills uh, for this sort of little reunion uh, thing that uh, an outfit was doing. They were doing a, like a little documentary on the Ninja Turtles. And, um, and, and I saw James there. One of my favorite pictures is a picture that I have with him. And I'm look like, I look like I'm four feet tall standing, standing next to him, but you could just see the joy on both our faces. And, and, and I hadn't seen him in a long time since, since we had stopped recording. And, uh, it was just so great to see him at that little reunion, uh, that Kevin had. And, uh, and then it, I, I want to say it wasn't, it wasn't long after that, that he ended up passing away. And Renee and I actually went to his uh, memorial service, his, um, not his funeral, but, uh, they had a celebration of life for him. That was just, just magnificent. And the, the, of course, the people who showed up for that and in this big church, uh, was just, it was magnificent, but it was also terribly sad, yeah. you know, to know that, uh, that we had lost him. And, uh, and, and the irony was that, maybe a month or so before he passed away uh we were planning a 
an appearance to guy. I want to say it was a Comic Con appearance to guy. My memory's a little foggy on that, but but um, I remember the promoter was uh, he had gotten us and he was just working on getting James and he was having a hard time uh, locking James in because come to find out, which we didn't know at the time, he was very ill yeah. and and couldn't make it and looked like he wasn't going to be able to. And then of of course he passed away and then we ended up doing the, uh, the appearance, um, just a couple of weeks later, it was tough. That was, that was a tough time to, to lose him. And, and whenever we, you know, all get together, it does feel like there is a big hole in, in that piece of fabric in, in that portrait. Um, just not having him there. I, I completely understand, man. Uh, as a kid, my dad, you know, wasn't in the picture, you know, he's since, you know, came back into my life over the last, you know, few months and um, is really trying to do to everything I can to, you know, be there and like try to, you know, change all the fuck ups he did as a, as a parent. Um, and I told Renee this story and I don't want to, I don't want to say it again, because I didn't know the guy, but when you watched a, a show like Fresh Prince and then you saw what Will Smith went with or went through in the show with, you know, his dad not being there. And then uncle Phil was that suit. He was that dad. He was that film. He was that void. He was that shoulder to go to, you know, I, I, I always tell my kid, I'm like, you know, you'll never have to, you know, think like why, unless I'm taken from this, you know, earth, which I hope it'll eventually come. But down the road, I want a good hundred years out of this body. I want another hundred years. Right. Science these right, days, right. I don't think that's too, you know, crazy to ask for with modern science and all these different technical advances, technological advances we've had. Um, but I learned so much on how to be a dad by watching a show that people wrote and that he took that role as, as uncle Phil. I learned so much just through watching the fucking show, man. Just something as stupid as a TV show or a cartoon. It's it's not just, you know, a, a way you can sit back in your chair and veg out. You can sit here and forget about the world. It was teaching you stuff. Just like the Ninja Turtles, they were teaching us stuff between family, unity, bond. All of this stuff, when you come together, you're unbeatable as a family, right? When you're segmented, that's when people pick you off. And to take what I learned from uncle Phil and use that as a real world application as like a blueprint to raise a kid, man, I don't think you get to be a better, better mentor, you know, a better idol, a, a, a better person to look up to or pull advice from or anything than James as uncle Phil. And I mean, thank you for sharing the story. You know, you shared with me, it was just, I really wish this guy was still here that this, I wish I would have started this podcast 15 years ago where I could have gotten you guys all in one shot, man, because like you said, there is that big void. There is that big hole without him there. And man, it's, I don't really know how to segue into anything else from here, but it, it, it's, you guys feel it. And then us as fans feel it when, when, you know, the family gets smaller, you know, if that makes sense, it's, it's not fun for us, just like it's not fun for you, man. But I really appreciate you telling me that if it wasn't for you, Townsend, driving him, we wouldn't have seen Uncle Phil. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> if it was not for you saying, yeah, I'll take you down there, James. No problem. Kick your well, feet thank up. God, thank God my car didn't break down. Huh? I, that's what I'm saying, because we would have been robbed, not just from having him as Shredder, but having him 
as uh, as Uncle Phil, man. That's hilarious. Well, listen, I'll touch on something uh, here as a bit of a segue because you mentioned something, you know, talking about these writers who wrote that show, and James took those lines, took those words off the page and made them his own. Mm-hmm. He embodied them. He yeah. he he. You know, he took them. He he brought life to them. Breathed life to them and and one thing that we didn't realize when we were recording uh ninja turtles uh certainly we had no idea it was gonna become as big as it did but the thing that we really didn't realize and didn't discover until years later i mean we would we would occasionally get fan mail that was sent to the producers and they would bring it to the recording sessions sometimes and let us read these letters and it was always humbling to read that stuff and go wow you know people really like this stuff this is crazy um but but what we really didn't realize was what kids at that time were going to take away from not only the show as a show, but from these characters and how each of them, like, you know, you identified with Raph and he was your guy, Uh, you know, and everybody seemed to have a favorite turtle that they, you know, zeroed in on and loved Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But they, they took something from those characters. And in many, and we didn't hear these stories until years later when we started meeting fans at Comic-Cons and stuff, which is just an amazing experience for me um that that in so many cases they were they were taking life lessons from the ninja turtles of all people and and allowing it to really penetrate them and change their way of thinking change their behavior uh change their thought process Uh, i mean uh, it changed the way they were dealing with maybe tough situations uh, at home in the family with with friends, maybe they were being bullied. Uh, who knows? But, but we we hear these stories all the time, and none of us, I guarantee you, as we were recording this uh, series, had any conception that we were going to have that kind of impact on kids as they grew up and became adults. Um, that is fascinating to me, and it really, truly is humbling. I look back and go man, I mean, if I had known, and I'm, I guess I'm glad I didn't know because maybe I would have played it differently. And if I, I would have taken it more seriously, you know, and, 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 oh, we're teaching lessons here and stuff. I didn't get that, you know, it, to us, it was pretty much more of just another job with, you know, working with folks that we just loved and, um, and we were just thankful for. Um, but now we hear these stories and it's just, it's mind it's mind blowing it's mind boggling to me uh to hear some of that stuff so in the same way that you're talking about you know James on fresh prince we get those do we get that same stuff well, and you've even said it yourself about you know about what kids uh, took away from ninja turtles as they grew and uh that's that's pretty fascinating to me that's pretty amazing I mean, you know, as we're wrapping this up, because I don't want to keep you too much long, you got more important stuff to do than just talk to me. And uh, I got a lung scan I got to go to in 45 minutes. So, <laughs> so but like you, like I said, you and everybody else around this show, you guys are the reason, you know, like I said earlier, Kevin and Peter started this. You guys, they threw you the ball and you guys took and ran with it. If it wouldn't have been for this 87 cartoon, we don't get the 1990 movie. The 91 movie, the 93 4 tr- trilogy. You don't get that trilogy. 
Then right. you don't get the cartoon series in 2003 or 2012, which I'm so happy that they brought you guys back and put that you was a blast. Back. That was, was a blast. Yeah, that that whoever thought of that idea at well, Viacom, well, that was yeah, Nero yeah. Cielli and uh, and uh, and uh, Brandon Amon. I mean, these guys were Ninja Turtles fans, you know, just like you. Yeah. And uh, you know, ended up becoming you know terrific producers and writers over at uh, over at Nick. You know, and so they, they're the ones that wanted to bring the original guys back, you know, for an episode or two and have these crossover things. And yeah. I thought that was brilliant. And, and like I said, it was a blast to do. It, it really was because very rarely back in the 80s and 90s, when all this stuff was coming on, they didn't really do or think about. Hold on just a second. I, I just got it because I, I just did a total spoonerism. It's Ciro Nielli, not Nero Cielli. Uh, whatever I said, it was wrong, but, but yeah. No, no, so Ciro, sorry about that, buddy. No, you're perfectly fine, man. Um, what, 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 what happens is back in the eighties and nineties, they didn't have the same depth with comic books. They didn't have the same forethought, wherewithal, that these are going to be trilogies. These are going to be movies. These are going to be universes. They're going to be talking about Marvel movies for the next ever, forever. A Marvel movie will never go away. Right. And you right. see it with movies and TV shows where they bring back that character that started the franchise, like they did with John Wesley Ship and The Flash back in the 80s and 90s. They brought him in and made him Barry's dad, Barry Allen's dad in the Flash TV show that's going on right now. When you give that kind of fan service or you give that top, you know, tip of the cap or a nod to where you've come, right? It is so refreshing as far as a fan's perspective. And like I said, you guys are the reason for all of this the turtles that are on my shirt the <laughs> turtles that are on my arm i mean i've got you sitting right there mikey and then i've got hey. Raph on top, right so totally I'm bodacious dude you know I love it so, i gotta get some ink <laughs> just get mikey written. no i don't i don't think so right no. yeah right <laughs> but you know if it wouldn't have been for what you guys did you guys took a two-dimensional character and you gave it heart you gave it soul you gave it love you gave it you right and you turn this from a two-dimensional into a three-dimensional character. You guys gave us more in, what was it, 100-plus episodes than you could ever ask for as a Turtle fan or ever ask for as being any kind of fan of anything. And I know myself and so many other Turtle fans and just pop culture fans in general have you as well as so many other people to thank, man. I can't thank you enough for that. I, it, all I can say is thank you. And it was my pleasure. It was our pleasure, uh, and our honor really. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't mean that to sound cliche. It really was, it was an honor to, and a, and a privilege, uh, and a pleasure to, to get to do this, this show. And especially I look back on it now and I'm more thankful for it now than I was back when we were doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, just what, what, an amazing gift uh each of us have been given so but uh, julian seriously thank you for saying that no no man much like appreciated all of this started because of the turtles man um and just a segue because uh, we are at the end of our time um is yeah. there anything that you are working on right now that we can push traffic towards whether it be a book tv show movie anything at all no I really think no, you, you know right now. i'm not a you know um i'm not a big social media guy uh, uh so I, I hardly ever post, um, and I'm not doing any big projects. I'm just thankful for the one gig that I've got now and, and I'm not promoting anything or selling anything. So, 
but thank you for asking. <laughs> no problem. Man. I like to put, cause like I said, you guys spend this little bit of time with me. Um, and I'm always, well, it's been, but it's been a joy. You've been a, it's been, it's been a great, a great time to just a chat. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank Like, like I said, man, I'm going to sit here. I'm blushing, man. I'm, I've got tears in my eyes and whatnot, man. Like I said, I felt like a kid again for the first time since, you know, forever, right. You, you wake up in the morning, you're all creaky and shit. You're like, God damn, I hate getting old, but you just sit here and walk into this room around all this stuff that I've been able to afford because you guys created a fandom for me. I could have been into drugs, cocaine and heroin, but in, instead I chose the Ninja Turtles, man. And that was because Thank of you. you, right? So, yeah. you know, as we wrap it up, man, when you sit down and you pushed your microphone out of your face for the last time, right? You're sitting back in your rocker, your lazy boy, the couch, whatever you want to sit back in, man. What's the first thought when you think of where you started in Cleveland to where you ended up now in Los Angeles, man? What's that thought process? What's that, what's that prevalent emotion that comes to the forefront when you sit here and think about all you've done and all the lives you've touched? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Some deep shit, I, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, it would be hard to look at it as being over. I, 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 I have to admit I would be sad because yeah. I love doing what I do. Um, but, but the only thing that I can think of is just massive gratitude, mm. just massive gratitude. I was thinking about that this morning and, and looking back over my life and over my career and, and just what I've been, what I've been blessed with. And I, uh, <laughs> It's like, seriously, all I can say is just thank you, God. Thank you so much for what you've given me and what you've allowed me to experience and to see and to do and the people that I've been able to work with and the friends that I've been able to make and the community that I've been a part of. Um, <laughs> I would be sad to see that go. Um, and I don't know if it would ever really go, um, but it I would just be, I would just be just really, really thankful Yeah, as I am now, <laughs> I yeah, guess. I didn't, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to hit you with that, that deeper. You know, uh, <laughs> that's, that's all right. It's like, this is life, man. You know, this is, yeah. it's, it's all going to come to an end somehow, someday. And, and you just hope that you have done the best with your life that you can. And you've, you've left s some decent impressions with people you know, one of the things that's most important to me is is just to be kind and gentle, frankly, yeah. and and generous and and kind of leave it there. You know, I I feel like the the only gift that I can give somebody is is really honestly the gift of love, and 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 that kind of love is 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 comes in the in the way of thoughtfulness and kindness and gentleness and and encouragement and joyfulness um and i try and not only live that in my life but i also try and bring that into my work with the people that i work with but also in the way i do my work yes. you know um oh boy yeah so we're sort of getting off into a whole different thing uh, there but um, you're you perfectly fine man i love you know <sighs> i love the wrong when there's very few things that I ever go into and, and I see somebody doing that if, if I don't 100% think that they're doing this because they love to do it, 
right? I don't want to go to a dentist that hates his job. I don't want to go to a, <laughs> right. I, no matter how many tattoos I get, I hate getting shots. Um, I don't want to go to a nurse or a doctor that just doesn't like being a doctor. And those shots hurt, right? You know, and like I said, you guys leave it all out there for us. You guys have given us such a, a wonderful gift. I passed this show down to my son, right? We bonded over Ninja Turtles, man. And I'm going to try real hard. I don't want to get too glassy eyed, but when it comes to my kid, right? There's, there's, I get it. I get it. (laughs) There's nothing more. So I was in the Navy. I'll leave you. I'll leave it with this story. I was in the Navy for about seven and a half years. Um, And when I would deploy and go away, um, it was tough, right? It was hard because I was leaving my wife. I was leaving my son. I was leaving my dogs. I was leaving my bed. You know, just, you start thinking about all the stuff you're leaving. Right. And when I got home in 2012, 2013, around that era, um, around that, that time frame, um, it was very difficult because my son was three, four and, uh, we didn't really see eye to eye. Right. Cause I'd been gone for nine, 10 months on a deployment. And, um, he was, he was doing what he thought was right. He was protecting mom, right? He was the one there. He was, he was the man of the house since I wasn't there. And, uh, when I came home, everything changes when you're deployed and you come home, right? It's weird because, you know, mom used to be the definitive answer, like, no, go to bed. Now it's dad. He's like, well, this guy hasn't really been around. So why is he telling me what to do? Um, and how we bonded was over Ninja Turtles. Something is simple. And, and, and when you think about it, like you said earlier, it shouldn't work. It's a fucking turtle with a bandana and, and he, they got weapons and they fight a dude that was based off of a cheese grater and their father figure is a rat, right? None of right. this stuff <laughs> makes sense, right? But right. he sat there and for whatever reason, right, we're sitting here watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and this is when questions just start getting rapid fire, rapid fire, right? What's this? What's this? Who's that? Who's that? Why is he doing this? Why does he have this? And we built a bond that was non-existent because I was away. It's like in that, that young age, he doesn't know why daddy's not there. He just knows daddy's on the boat, right? He didn't right. understand why I couldn't come home and play with him. And it fucking, it tore me up so much to sit there and watch. I missed first steps. I missed first words. I missed first everything, right? And Spoiler alert, my wife's pregnant and I can't wait. I'm hoping it's a girl. So she's pregnant with our second child, second child, excuse me. Um, and I can't wait, right? I can't wait to see, you know, something as stupid as like the first time they have a boo-boo, the first time they have this, the first time they have that, you know, so I get to re-see that, but from a different perspective, from an older perspective, from a more not grizzled because it's not the right word, more seasoned, if you will, um, perspective. And I can't wait for that. And I know whether it's a boy or a girl or whatever. I mean, it could possibly be an alien. Who knows? It's 2020. This is the craziest year any of us have really ever had, you know, ever. I hopefully this is the craziest it gets. I hope it goes back to some kind of normalcy next year. But I know, just like with my 10-year-old, that with that baby, when that baby comes out, it's going to be the same thing that I did with him. It's going to be Ninja Turtles. And like I said at the beginning of this, man, I couldn't do what I do now. I couldn't, you know, get through the shit that I've had to get through now if it wasn't for people like you, right? And you could have done anything today in this world. You could have went to the gas station. You could have went to KFC. You could have went to anywhere you wanted to. Not technically if you're in LA right now, because a lot of this shit shut down. But theoretically, 
and hypothetically, you could technically go anywhere and choose to do anything in this world other than talk to me. And for that, I will forever be grateful, Townsend. This oh, is a fun talk, man. Um, we got deep there for a little bit. Yeah. I love that raw emotion. I love that passion. I love seeing that when I know that somebody feels the way they feel about what they do, the way you felt, the way you show, I know for a fact that whatever I see Townsend Coleman's name in, that that thing is going to not only blow my socks off, it's going to blow my kid's socks off. It's going to blow his kid's socks off. And therefore, after it's just a domino effect when it comes to the heart and the hustle and the loyalty that you guys showed through that 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, like wow. I said, this has been a surreal experience. Um, uh -huh. I've had such an amazing time. Like I said, you guys have made my life as well as other people's lives so fun. And I can't think of any other thing to say than thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the hell out of you. I'm glad you're here, man. I'm hoping we can get another 60 to 80 years out of Townsend himself. I don't ever want to see you go away, man. And I'm so glad you're here and you did what you did, man. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. Uh, I, I, that's all I can say is <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, man, for this time. It's been a, it's been a blessing and a blast. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. So he's oh, been yeah. bouncing. I've been Julian. You've been listening to what's in my head podcast and shit, man. Tell somebody, thank you. You never know when or how it might change somebody's life. So always say thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, guys. always say thank you or cowabunga. Thanks again for checking out the what's in my head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.